You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Welcome to the Business Hour. Today the topic at hand is the the topic of very advanced leading-edge marketing and communications. And in today's ever-changing landscape and in the vast scheme of influencing consumer behavior, there's a firm that's very much on the leading edge of mindful and innovative marketing for the 21st century, and that group is brand culture. There's a depth in their approach, and brand culture takes um, uh, a very uh, layered approach, I call it, um, because there are layers of depth to developing strategies for branding that reflects culture and creative executions to ensure impactful executions. And I'm very pleased to have, um, as my guest, John Hudson, to talk about brand culture. Uh, John Hudson is Brand Culture's Managing Director. Welcome to the Business Hour, John. Good morning, Ron. Pleasure to be with you this morning. I'd like to take uh, a moment to share with the audience uh, your overview uh, of what brand culture is all about, uh, as if it were your 60-second uh, elevator speech, but the difference would be we're at a cocktail party and you think that I might be someone who is really interested, and I've asked you to tell me about brand culture. Well, we have this simple uh, idea that we share that uh, we help organizations uh, build their brands around strong culture, ultimately give customers a reason to buy, employees a reason to believe. We believe that great brands and strong cultures are the flip side of this name coin, and that uh, successful organizations um, believe that the, that the culture is the foundation for their brand. Um, that's a pretty succinct description, actually. Um, Let's talk a little bit about uh, here at the top of the show. Uh, a lot of um, lay people, n- not in the business of, of marketing or of communications, uh, don't oftentimes understand the difference. They they think that brand is one with uh, company identity, and that's not true. Uh, so, could you give us your take on the difference between brand and identity? Yeah, Ron, your uh, volume is breaking up a little bit, but uh, to the extent that uh, your listeners can hear me, I'm happy to uh, share a few thoughts. Yeah, I think we uh, can hear you pretty good, so... Okay, great. Well, we, at the core, we talk about the idea of building a brand promise, or, and our language is shared purpose, and that goes back to the idea of helping your customers a reason to buy and employees a reason to believe. And there's a lot of different terms out there in the marketplace for these concepts, so... Uh, brand purpose, shared purpose, brand manifesto, brand covenant, uh, uh, and many others. And we at the end of the day really don't uh, care what you call it. Um, it's for us about building a value proposition, uh, which is a credible articulation of the value that you bring in the product and services you bring to market. So whether you're a small business, mid-sized business, or a, a global enterprise organization, we think it's important to build your brand around a clear and compelling value proposition. And that's what we call brand positioning. And from there, then, to the question of brand identity, brand identity is really uh, the, 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 the perception of the customer or the employee relative to what your brand stands for. And that is a combination of value proposition, that purpose, but also the visual expression of the brand. And that's uh, kind of by definition what we think about brand identity. And... Academic construct uh, and the notion of brand image versus brand identity. Uh, brand identity is really the, the aspirational aspect of what you hope to convey as a brand from the standpoint of your purpose and visual expression of brand. And brand image is how people actually perceive you. So, to the extent that people perceive you differently than how you would like to be perceived in the relationship to your brand identity, you ultimately want to try to. Uh, move the needle so that uh, you're in alignment with what your your strategy is. 
Yeah, I, I think one very simplistic explanation for some listeners out there might be that the Coca-Cola company had a very recognizable identity, um, which they were hoping customers would link with their brand. And they were, for many decades, trying to reinforce the perception of Coca-Cola as refreshing, uh, fun, and having uh, intrinsic specialness. So that when they saw that uh, ubiquitous logo, uh, that's the connection that they made between the brand and and identity. Um, I like what you have done in marrying brand and culture to form the name brand culture, which has multiple levels of reflecting a brand-oriented society or culture uh, and focusing on brand as it relates to culture uh, so that it reflects uh, your own brand and your own identity as an entity. Tell us a little bit about what went into the uh, formation of that that name for the company. First part and last part. Uh, just to talk a little bit about Coca-Cola because uh, I'm, of course, based in Atlanta now. I moved back to Los Angeles recently and spent a dozen years in Atlanta and we have offices in Atlanta and Los Angeles and then another uh, uh, office in Barcelona, Spain. Uh, Coca-Cola has really been uh, an integral uh, influence in how uh, we build brand culture going back to the early days that I actually did work with Coca-Cola. And you, you talk about uh, Coca-Cola and you think of the many different advertising campaigns that Coca-Cola has set, had and been successful with and it's the real thing and uh, I'd like to teach the world the same in some of the many uh, great campaigns and all of Coca-Cola. And the one thing we point out, those are extraordinarily successful campaigns, but for us, a brand isn't necessarily an advertising campaign or a tagline. Uh, really, again, going back to the first part of the conversation, that a brand is built around a purpose, a singular idea. And in the case of Coca-Cola, what many people probably have never heard about is um, a, a line that Robert Woodruff used to uh, uh, communicate and talk about during the early 1900s, which is this idea with a, within an arm's reach of desire. And what's interesting about that idea, it has a multiplicity of meaning because to get that, that refreshing fun aspect that we talked about, which is part of the Coca-Cola brand identity, but it also gets at this idea of within an arm's reach. And what's really compelling and interesting about that, the history of this, is that helped be a guiding uh, light to how Coca-Cola built the global distribution network, the global bottling, bottling network, getting, of course, in the U.S. and then expanding around the world. So the idea within an arm's reach of desire also was not only conveying the refreshing aspect of the brand, but it was also uh, speaking to the business strategy. And so there again, what we think is important is that you build a brand around a value proposition of the products and services you bring to market, but do so in a way that also aligns with your business and operating strategy. So it's not just, um, again, a tagline. Um, another example of a great brand is Nike. We think of Nike and the famous uh, tagline, Just Do It. And um, at the same time, what many of your listeners probably have never heard is the Nike mission, which is the idea of bringing inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world with an asterisk on the word athlete if you have a body you're an athlete. So that's an example of, once again, that singular idea, that shared purpose that ultimately drives that brand. So to your question at the end about how did we form brand culture, what we saw in the work that we were doing, and my partner and I had worked at one of the leading branding firms in our respective field in Los Angeles, a uh, company by the name of Siegel Gale. And earlier in my career, I started working with a company based on London imagination. And we were in the world of strategic branding and marketing services providers. And we would help organizations often define their brand around that singular idea to ultimately help them create that purpose. And um, we, we would do that type of work, and sometimes that would evolve into a new logo, a new visual identity system for a brand. But we started to see this shift in the idea of brand as image to the 
idea of brand as experience. John, John, I, I, I pardon me for interrupting, but we're going to have to break away for just a couple of minutes. But hold that thought when you're talking about seeing that shift. We're going to pick up right there. We're going to take a break. We're here with John Hudson of Brand Culture, and we're going to be right back with John after this break. Merry Christmas. I'm Patty Levan, owner of Multiland Mortgage Services, Inc. We've partnered with nationally known wholesale lenders throughout the country that offer a wide variety of home loan programs. We can find the right home loan that will suit your financial needs. Multiland Mortgage Services, your way home. Call us at 941-201-9111 or check out our website at multilandmortgage.com. Company founded by Joseph D. Powers, NMLS 158-989, licensed in Georgia and Florida. You can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan, and every family will save thousands of dollars a year. I'm Ellen Deal, and if you've been hurt by the Affordable Care Act, you can email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com to see if we can help. Small business owners, individuals, families, and baby boomers, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com for three easy questions to determine if you can get away from Obamacare. I'm a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry and here to help you for all your insurance needs. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. Welcome back to America's Web Radio and to the Business Hour. Uh, John, I hope we um, have cleared up any technical difficulties and that I'm coming through better. Can you hear me now? Uh, it's still weak, uh, unfortunately, but uh, hopefully you can hear me. Yeah, we can hear you fine. Um, I want to get back to um, where we left off, uh, but I want to remind listeners that we're talking with John Hudson, a managing director with Brand Culture, a, f- a firm that's very dedicated to tapping into the the brand, helping create and cultivate a brand uh, for companies, for organizations, and uh, linking uh, that company very much to uh, their uh, employee uh, passion in order to communicate with um, uh, their clients' marketplaces and and doing it in a very unique way, which is what John is is explaining. And, And before the break, we were talking about how they arrived at the very name Brand Culture and why they had married those two uh, concepts. So, John, take it uh, take it from there. Yeah, you had asked about you know, the background of how we formed Brand Culture, and I'm sort of giving a little bit of an uh, overview of kind of the evolution of brand. And I shared this point in example of Coca-Cola and Nike is that ultimately that brands are more than a tagline and advertising campaign. Uh, really, brands have evolved into this idea of brand as experience. And um, we were, uh, I think, really early in that conversation back in the early 90s. At the time, I was working for a company based in London, Imagination. And we started to think about that idea of brand as experience. Prior to that, really, brand was about, once again, image and identity, which is more about logos and taglines and photography and color palettes, ultimately, what the brand looked like. And that's still important, but there was this recognition that there was this shift in ultimately what drove um, uh, uh, competitive advantage, differentiation, customer engagement, and ultimately revenues is second the experience that brands deliver to their customers and to their employees. And at the same time, the work that we were doing and the firms that we worked with previously, we were all largely uh, marketing services or consulting professionals, and while we were uh, thinking about these ideas of brand as purpose and experience, we really still relied largely on communicative interventions, brochures, websites, 
and meetings, events, trade shows, etc. And those are really uh, communication. That's what marketing service providers do. Uh, and we started to look at the, the idea of behavior and helping organizations build a strong culture and to impact both the employee and the customer experience. And realized there was really kind of a chasm that existed in our respective peer organizations because we were, again, market people. Uh, and so we started studying a, a, a great deal of work that's been done in the area of organizational behavior and corporate culture and organizational culture. And we saw that uh, those professionals and the, the, uh, the, the different academic theories that were um, being advanced were similar to how we were thinking about brand, but we were just using different language. Uh, the organizational professionals were talking about the idea of common purpose, shared values, shared vision, and branding professionals were talking about brand promise. Siegel Gale would talk about inner truth. And there was this uh, uh, different language, but really, at the end of the day, it was all about the same destination. Um, what's happened over the years, that at the moment, that's evolved in this idea of purpose, which I'll come back to later. But we saw that there was this gap again that the marketing service providers were falling short because if you're going to influence employees or customers, you cannot do that just by a one-way conversation. You cannot do that just by communication uh, in the first place. So we um, did a breadth of work and uh, analysis looking at uh, the field of organizational behavior and organizational psychology. And uh, early on, we were inspired uh, by Dr. Terrence Steele, who wrote one of the first books on corporate culture. And we started to study his work, and we ultimately created a relationship with Dr. Deal. And that then led to, um, effectively, the idea of kind of culture. And uh, we reserved the URL about 20 years ago, and we launched our business about 14 years ago. And um, with that, we built what we call the culture framework, which resides on six different uh, dimensions of how organizations can more successfully build their corporate culture and align it around their brand. And that consists of communications, of course, rewards and recognition, workplace environment, structure systems and process, leadership, and then lastly, the idea of symbolism. Um, and I could talk a little bit more, but I'll like, pause and see if that helped answer some of the questions. Um. It sure did, uh, John. I again, I liked uh, that uh, you took a very similar approach in arriving at a meaningful uh, name for the uh, organization, uh, and took the approach that I imagine you you take with with your clients. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And um, you know, in the case of naming brand culture, we uh, it was sort of an interesting story with my partner because we thought, well, should we? Name a more esoteric uh, uh, name, uh, and really at the end, it, uh, we just said, "Let's just say what it is." And in branding, there's uh, naming brands. There's different types of approaches, and this is what you might classically call a more descriptive approach with uh, the word uh, simply brand culture. Um, pick other brands like Xerox or. Those brands have a more, uh, at the time when they were first created, more esoteric and uh, its name. Whereas in this case, this is a more straightforward, uh, uh, descriptive name and language. And when we're doing brand naming, um, what we're ultimately trying to do is we're trying to do that once again against that that single idea, that strategy, that purpose, and um, to do so in a way that it brings to life what they're value proposition is that you're trying to kill it. And we were then fortunate enough to reserve the URL. And so today we own the brandculture.com, which is uh, um, where uh, the, the URL for our website. Yeah, speaking of your website, I might point out to listeners that if they want to follow along uh, to some extent with what we're talking about, uh, they can go to www.brandculture.com or just Google brand culture one word or even two words will take you to your website, uh, which is a very informative website. And, John, 
can we take those six areas? Um, I wanted to uh, drill down into the company's mission, the services, uh, the work that you're doing, um, how you approach uh, generating insight, and your own organizational team and some of your alliances. But before we even do that, can we talk about communications and uh, recognition and the workplace and and go through each of these uh, six areas, starting with communications? How would you characterize? Um, because, okay, again... Think, no. Yeah, I'm having a hard time hearing you, Ron, but I think you're talking about giving an explanation of the... Of the, the six frames, right? The That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, like I said, you know, marketing people rely on communication, um, brochures, websites, face-to-face events, and trade shows. So clearly, communications are important, and they're uh, very important in organizations. So, you know, truthfully, there's a lot of what we do that is uh, fundamentally communications work. Um, but it is also important uh, to maintain uh, a uh, two-way light, two-way dialogue with employees and customers today. Uh, it's not what they say, what you say to them. It's what they say back to you that's important. And it's important to listen to your customers and your employees. So uh, one dimension of how we think about communication is, is again, uh, or the framework is, is that idea of communication. Uh, another aspect is rewards and recognitions. It's important that if you're going to uh, engage employees and customers effectively, that there needs to be an alignment of the reward systems and recognition systems uh, with the uh, objectives and goals of your, your business and your brand. Uh, workplace environment is important. Uh, there's a lot of conversations today in corporate organizations about uh, office space, open workspace, quiet spaces, and um, frankly, I think a lot of the emphasis gets uh, placed on that culture with uh, workplace. And that's important, and we think it's very important um, in thinking about organizational culture. Uh, again, we think it's only one dimension, and for many organizations, um, they don't necessarily have a, um, a bright, shiny corporate office. It may be um, an organization with a delivery system with truck drivers driving products and services to and from their customers. So we also think about the workplace environment from the standpoint of uh, the drivers that do the labor products and services, your field teams that are out in the marketplace or your uh, distributed workforce that may be working from home. So we have to think about what's the work environment that those employees work in day in and day out and kind of how can we affect a positive uh, uh, aspect of that workplace environment to ultimately help uh, inspire uh, employees and engage employees to effectively deliver the experience that we talk about to customers. Um, then there's structure systems and process. So we look John, at before you get into you, John, can you hear me? Before you get sure. into structured systems and processes, we're going to take another break. Um, we're here with John Hudson to talk about the great work of brand culture. We'll be back with John in just a couple of minutes, and we'll pick up right where we left off. Seasons greetings. I'm Patty LeVan, owner of Multiline Mortgage Services, Inc. Let's talk about reverse mortgages for seniors 62 and older. Reverse mortgages were designed to free up money that seniors can use at their discretion in retirement. Let us help you determine if this program is right for you. We'll help you choose the right lender and walk you through the loan process. Multiline Mortgage Services, your way home. Call us at 941-201-9111 or check out our website at multilinemortgage.com. Company founded by Joseph DePal. Hours, NMLS 158-989, licensed in Georgia and Florida. Want to ace your upcoming survey exam? The NLC Prep Combo has everything you need to help you crush your upcoming FS, PS, Florida PSM, California PLS, or Texas RPLS exam. Combos include a full-length practice exam book with the same number of questions and category types as the actual exam, a pre-programmed HP 35 with 17 programs to solve those time-consuming equations such as COGO, triangles, traverses, and more in seconds. 
A complete online course is included that covers every topic of the exam with videos, workbooks, quizzes, and a full-length practice exam that simulates the computer-based format of the FS and PS exam. That gives you not just one, but two full-length practice exams to help fully prepare you for test day. Visit us at nlcprep.com for more information and let us help you crush your exams. morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a march implementation ribbon cutting ceremony and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project you can donate at jcvets.org Listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. John Hudson of Brand Culture. And John has been offering insight to the approach that Brand Culture takes with its clients to, in turn, generate some insight about what their brand is and how that brand is leveraged. John was in the middle of explaining six uh, major principles to tapping into the brand of a company and how that in turn helps them to cultivate an identity for that organization. John, uh, you were talking about structured systems and processes just before the break. We'll pick it up there. Yeah, well, we're talking about the the six frames that we call a culture (laughs) framework, which is a, a way of thinking about how organizations can align their culture and their brand together. And we are uh, six frames of leadership, communications, symbolism, rewards and recognition, workplace environment, structure systems, process. And we talk briefly about communications, rewards and recognition, and then uh, structured systems and process. And really the structured systems process aspect is thinking about uh, the dimensions of your organization, hierarchical, just flat. Uh, and thinking about the organizational structure, but then there's also looking at um, the different technology systems in an organization to help enable and support a culture and brand alignment. And then also uh, looking at the, the, the customer experience, employee experience journey, uh, and the processes in place. So we'll often do uh, what we call uh, customer experience or employee experience journey mapping, and where we'll audit the process look at all the different touch points, how your brand uh, is interacting with your customers and your employees, and we'll find ways and make recommendations for how you can improve that experience. And we do that by leveraging what are called design thinking uh, skills. Uh, another dimension of the framework is, uh, as I mentioned, leadership. And uh, it's important to not only uh, uh, talk the talk, but walk the walk. And uh, we hear so many stories today about failed leadership and Organizations that grow. Most recently, there's been stories in the news about WeWork and Wave, which are unfortunate stories where the leadership were very successful building, scaling new innovations, but then uh, they were ineffective at uh, effectively leading their employee organization on to the next uh, uh, frontier or next evolution of their company. So it's important that teams and organizational leaders can lead effectively and engage employees uh, in a way that gives, again, the employee organization reason to believe day in and day out what they're doing. Um, the sixth dimension of the culture framework is perhaps the funnest. It's the idea of thinking about symbolism. And going back to Dr. Deal's work, and I mentioned earlier that he wrote uh, some of the first books on corporate culture, probably now 35 or 40 years ago, and when he did his first book, he studied the relationship between corporate culture and societal and tribal cultures, and 
that may sound a little bit uh, odd and strange when you think about tribal culture. What does that have to do with corporate culture? Well, within tribal cultures and societal cultures, you see at play the idea of rites and rituals, ceremony and celebration, stories and storytellers. And Deal looked at tribal cultures and saw these same themes that existed in corporate cultures and, uh, and successful organizations. And so examples like stories, song, celebration, uh, he looked at brands like um, IBM. And back during the 60s, um, IBM had uh, the IBM Corporate Songbook. And he asked, why would IBM have a corporate songbook? Um, but it was, again, a way of bringing the brand to life, and creating a shared purpose throughout the IBM organization. Uh, today, Walmart, has a corporate song. And uh, it's my understanding every Saturday morning when they bring all their employees together in Bentonville, Arkansas, they play or sing that corporate song. So one of our clients is Princess Cruises. And uh, a couple years ago, we were helping them define their purpose and helping them activate that by looking at their organizational culture. And uh, one of their captains aboard one of their ships um, had uh, uh, shared with us that uh, they sail to more ports than any other cruise line in the industry. And they have over 30,000 employees sailing on 17, 18, 19 ships uh, from over 80 different countries around the world. And the captain said, we are a virtual nation floating at sea. We should have a national anthem. And we said, well, that's a wonderful idea. So when we got done helping them define their brand and helping them develop their shared purpose, is this idea to share our world, to share our hearts, and create lasting memories. We then worked with them to actually create a song or an anthem that was a four and a half minute um, set of lyrics that we went into studio in Los Angeles with a full orchestra and produced the song. And now, um, when you're on a Princess Cruise's ship, when it sails away from port, uh, this anthem plays. And that anthem uh, is, again, a, 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 a lyrical and um, uh, a, a melody that reinforces that shared purpose and does so not only to guests but also to employees. So um, the culture framework is merely a rubric or a, again, a, a point of reference for us when we're thinking about helping organizations align their culture and brand. And our belief is it's not just one size fits all. Uh, depending on the organization, you need to leverage different aspects of the culture framework. Uh, an organization like Southwest Airlines has an extraordinarily symbolic culture. And I had a uh, chance to go to their uh, culture summit earlier this year. And the opportunity to attend the Southwest Airlines headquarters to go inside that organization and see how rich the symbolism that exists throughout that organization is uh, Quite amazing. I'll take, I'll take a pause. Back to you, Ron. Well, John, I want you to just expand on on the importance of sh- shared purpose. I mean, you've made a reference to it a couple of times, and I think it's a very, very, very pivotal uh, and uh, a very key element. Uh, to talk a little bit about the value of. Of, of identifying and tapping into shared purpose. Yes, thank you. I think what's really uh, happened, and this, you know, happens in business, uh, some of these concepts start to uh, sort of become part of the zeitgeist of business news, communications. We've been thinking about this idea of shared purpose for, uh, as I shared, over 20 years. Uh, and it was influenced by uh, the work that I referenced from other academics and uh, professionals from different fields. What's happened of late, and I think it's an important distinction, you'll hear a lot about purpose-driven organizations and uh, just brand purpose, and we use that language. There, I think there's different ways to think about it. For us, shared purpose, again, is building the brand about an articulation of values that you bring to your customers and to your employees um, that's credible, unique, and differentiated. And then there is another construct in the market about purpose, which gets more into social cause and 
social good and philanthropy. And that discussion is built around the idea that organizations and businesses today should uh, be more intentional about making a positive impact in the world and doing so um, with how they go about uh, bringing their products and services to market. They should be thinking about concepts of sustainability to address uh, climate change and inclusivity to address the inequities that exist in different population groups across our communities, uh, across the country. And we think that's important, and we think that should be part of the brand. But when we talk about shared purpose, it's this idea of credible and articulate value that you bring to your products and services. And not every organization can necessarily, in our mind, lead with a social cause um, uh, strategy. Uh, we think they should have one, but if you're Goodyear, at the end of the day, you're bringing uh, tire products, uh, and to use the phrase, you know, uh, it, you know, it's about when the rubber meets the road. So it's your products and services that you bring to market that are important. So when we build a shared purpose, we do so um, by building it around that value proposition that aligns with brand, business, and operating strategy. We do it with uh, thinking about four different dimensions of the benefits that you bring to your customers and your employees. And we use a uh, framework in this instance that is built around four different dimensions of the rational functional value your brand provides to your customers and employees, the emotional value your brand provides to your customers and employees, the self-expressive value that your brand provides, and then a recent addition to that is then the social value. And that then is getting at the idea of how you can make a positive impact on the world. And we think that building your brand around and your value proposition around those four different dimensions of you know, rational, emotional, self-expressive, and uh, social is important. So a brand like Volvo, when you think of a brand like Volvo, um, Ron, what do you think of? I think of um, safe cars um, that are well-designed um, and um, reliable. Yeah, exactly. So the idea of safety has been at the core of the Volvo brand for decades. And arguably, if you do look at the different tests uh, from J.D. Powers and some of the other uh, rating organizations, Volvo isn't always necessarily the safest in a particular model or category, but it, from a brand standpoint, it owns that idea and it's continued to build its brand around that articulation of value. It's clear, incredible, and they've built their organization around that. So from a rational, functional value, their cars are safe. There's no question about it. Uh, from an emotional value, um, you think about by the, if you're a Volvo owner, um, it takes on the idea that I feel safe feel safe in the Volvo. Uh, the self-expressive dimension of that is that I am a safe driver. So it projects to um, our friends, neighbors, that we are safe drivers. And then the social value, if you look at what Volvo's doing, they are also investing in social programs that help align with that value proposition. And so that's how we think about building shared purpose and building a brand around a uh, clear, incredible articulation value. So I think we're up against a break. Yeah, well, yeah, we are going to be taking a break here, and I want to say that the Volvo did it so well that uh, you have companies, in fact, all companies want to incorporate into their image a uh, consciousness of safety, but you have other companies like Mercedes and Subaru who really taken that to heart and tried to uh, adopt that same approach as Volvo so that it became more or so that it becomes more prominent in their images. We're taking a break right now. We're with John Hudson of Brand Culture. We've been talking about how brand culture helps a company get in touch with its own um, internal culture and in touch with uh, culture in general uh, to be a better marketing uh, organization. We'll be back with John right after this break. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, 
You probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Happy holidays. I'm Patty LeVan, owner of Multiline Mortgage Services, Inc. Call us for details about our conventional loans with as little as 3% down or talk to us about our FHA, VA, and USDA loan options. We answer your questions with honesty and integrity because that's how we roll. Multiline Mortgage Services, your way home. Call us at 941-201-9111 or check out our website at multilinemortgage.com. Company founded by Joseph D. Powers, NMLS 158-989, licensed Georgia and Florida. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business practices, and fascinating business professionals to get an insider view of how America works. The Business Hour, from 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with John Hudson of Brand Culture, and John has been sharing an insider view of how brand culture taps into the culture of an organization and helps them to tap better into their own culture to create uh, a brand and to use that brand to tap into the customer uh, mindset. You were talking about shared purpose and talking about uh, aspects uh, of social cause and how uh, social programs that some organizations like Volvo has, and it's one of those areas that people forget about uh, or they don't realize, um, it gives customers a reason to align themselves with a product or a service when you have that kind of depth to a company's agenda. <clears throat> and I might ask at this point, John, uh, many of our listeners know that I have been involved in, in marketing and communications uh, for decades, and oftentimes when you're trying to tap into a company's uh, brand, uh, helping them define their DNA, if you will, you, you cross over that, that trust uh, threshold, and I'm certain that this happens to you all the time. They feel that if you have a good enough grasp of what the company's brand really is and you're helping them to refine that, you, you, you become sort of a partner in, in, in general management, uh, uh, maybe not like a McKenzie consultant, but almost. Is that true, John? Yeah, that's a, and I think that's a difference. There's a myriad of different branding professionals uh, in our field. Um, and I used I tell the story often that I uh, used to travel back and forth between Atlanta and London in the early 90s and I started to become a, a student of strategic brand management and I would uh, pick up a book in London about strategic brand management which is frankly where a lot of the, the, the theory sort of originally emanated from in London and I'd read it in London and then I would go back to Atlanta in the early 90s and I'd try to find a book on the bookshelf and um, I couldn't find one. Uh, it, it didn't exist. But uh, five, six years later, by the turn of the millennium, there was probably 50 books on the bookshelf. And not unlike uh, accountants and lawyers, there's um, you know there's dozens of not well, dozens of thousands of branding professionals. Um, I think the difference in your question is that we are come from a very strategy-led approach to brand development and. Uh, 
as a result of that, we take a, a, a research-based, a evidence-based approach to helping organizations define that uh, that brand. So it's not just about a design solution or creating that, that logo or that visual expression of the brand. Uh, that comes second. And, and at the same time, um, we try to develop brands that do have a inspired visual sensibility to them. But by virtue of having that strategy-led approach to our work and uh, process and how we think about the organizational cultures I shared, um, we are, um, you know, in that, uh, that business consulting realm. Um, you know, we're not a McKinsey or a Bain, that we're not doing you know, deep re-engineering strategies or supply chain strategies, but we do help organizations think about how they can build their brand across uh, the organizations for both large-scale organizations as well as early stage startups and mid-sized organizations. But these principles are relevant to no matter whether you're a small business um, or a global enterprise organization. You know, John, I would say you're very differentiated from a McKinsey, but uh, I I might be a little bit... uh, um, prejudice in this respect, but I think you're at the more interesting end of that business management spectrum. I'm sorry, I didn't catch the last part. I I think you're at the more um, interesting end of the business management spectrum, the whole area of marketing, tapping into... uh, to uh, and creating brand, and then the communication side, which you referred to earlier when you were talking about symbolism, is is the fun yeah. part. Uh, in fact, uh, your organization, I think, does. If if again, if a, if a uh, listener goes to the website at uh, www.brandculture.com or just Google's brand culture, you'll see that you have <clears throat> a quite enviable list of clients, and that you've done some really nice things. Uh, I think that your design is is what I believe uh, graphic design and imagery should be all about. And uh, talk for just a moment about that uh, side of the business because it is a critical side. Once you've strategically planned for positioning a company and helping it with its branding, crossing over into the symbolism part and communicating its identity has a creative component all in and of itself, and I think you do a really good job in that respect. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, our, our, our approach to design and developing brand identity visual systems is, again, driven by the strategy. So when you look at our work, um, you'll find a real uh, diverse, eclectic uh, mix of design and brand identity systems. And that's very intentional because we're trying to develop the visual expression of the brand that aligns around the brand positioning and the personality of the brand. So our work, if you look at it, nothing necessarily looks the same. And frankly, that's the whole point of developing a good brand identity so that it's differentiating and distinguishing and ultimately drive competitive advantage in the market. Um, Often graphic design firms or branding agencies have a tendency to have the same um, uh, visual language. Uh, Often uh, branding firms will develop a house style and you'll look at their work and it'll be the same from one brand to the other. And then there's also uh, unfortunate kind of uh, copycat approach in the marketplace where you start to see brands and branding systems that everyone starts to do the same thing. during the 90s, uh, because Nike was so successful and they had a swoosh, um, many brands thought, well, we need to have a swoosh. So all of a sudden, you see all these brands with a little swoosh. Um, Over the last dozen years, because of Apple's success, um, many have thought, well, we need to have our brand needs to look like Apple. It needs to be uh, a lot of white space and um, full of photos and really clean. We think that's important from the standpoint of having a, a more simplified identity system, but we also think it's important to differentiate yourself. And not everyone can be Apple, and they shouldn't be Apple. The whole point of branding is differentiation. So that gives you a little bit of a perspective of how we think about brand. And then um, just jumping back a little bit to the comparison with McKinsey's or the business strategy consultancies, I think the other unique thing about our organization that we've been very intentional about building is an interdisciplinary capability or a cross-disciplinary, multidisciplinary, or some of the 
uh, terms that we use. So we have fundamentally tried to bring together the disciplines of strategic brand management and marketing with organizational behavior and culture building um, competencies, as well as the design competencies that we've talked about. So we have identity designers, film and video designers and producers, website design uh, designers and developers. On the strategy side, we have organizational psychologists, anthropologists, organizational behavior strategists, design thinking strategists, um, wellness strategists, sustainability strategists, all bringing different skill sets together to help our clients um, think about their brands holistically. So we've been very intentional about bringing these different competencies. And that's, um, I think, also unique from our professional peers. Um, while, as I go back to the original story, many organizations talk about the idea of brand as experience and purpose, um, but they're not necessarily um, being effective at aligning their culture around their brand. And we think it's important to be able to do that that you need uh, a diverse mix of skills to accomplish that. Yeah, I think that you have a very uh, uh, rich uh, combination of talent uh, in your organization, uh, and <clears throat> there's no doubt that when you help a company uh, and, and you drill down into who they really are and what their purpose is and, and, and what the shared purpose will be, and then you align that with the identity you create, there's so much more depth to... Uh, a given um, identity uh, and reinforcement of that brand. John, we're winding down now, and I want to have you just take 30 seconds and uh, tell us uh, uh, at what point in your life did you decide that you might have a career uh, in business and in marketing, and uh, um, was that at an early age in life, or did that come later? Well, I... (laughs) My father always used to say that when I was a kid, I always had a better idea. And uh, there was a Ford commercial or something about uh, the idea. And, uh, he used to give me a, you know, a bit of a hard time about it, not in a, in, a, in a jovial way. But I've always sort of looking kind of for what's next. And my my career journey is very eclectic. It's diverse. And it's, uh, you know, I'm thankful that it's finally starting to kind of all stitch together because I... Grew up in the Midwest of Wisconsin. My father had an insurance business operation. It started out in insurance business. That led me to uh, getting a, a degree, a bachelor's degree in finance. And, and then I ultimately wanted to become a real estate developer. And I moved to Atlanta. Um, that involves some hospitality work. And then eventually it started moving into event production. And then started thinking about the idea of experience that I shared. And then I became a strategic excuse me, student of strategic brand management and brand development. And then as I shared, uh, we ultimately uh, launched Brand Culture about 14 years ago. Well, John, I really want to thank you for taking the time to be my guest on the Business Hour. And I I think you've done a great job of shedding some light on the the great work of Brand Culture. So again, thank you uh, for being my guest. Thanks, Ron. It's been a pleasure, and uh, I really appreciate it. You've been a listening. happy holidays. Well, happy holidays to you as well uh, and to all of our guests. Uh, and I hope you have a great weekend. You've been listening to America's Web Radio. The business hour is on from 10 to 11 a.m. on Fridays. We'll see you on the Internet and on the radio next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.